this message today, I, I, hope that, I hope that this message will invigorate you a little bit. Actually, I hope this message will invigorate, invigorate you a lot uh, in regards to your life with God, your walk with God, how, you, how you're living alongside God right now. You know, it, it, it has the potential, not that I had, there's nothing special about me, but the message behind this has such a great potential um, to give us such a deep knowledge of the relentless love, the relentless pursuit, the relentless mercy uh, that God shows to us. It really can lead us into a deeper relationship with Him, but also it, it, it really should and hopefully will uh, lead us in a direction where we, where we just feel so very compelled to live out the gospel, to live out the Jesus creed that we, that we repeated a little bit earlier today. You know, just, just a few weeks ago, we wrapped up a, uh, a sermon series. It was called The Beaut Good and Beautiful God, and uh, there were a lot of points behind that whole thing. It was all about the nature of God and who, how God operates, how God thinks, how God views us, th those types of things. But part of what we learned during that process uh, over six or seven weeks, however long it was, is that God is 100% for us. God is 100% in our corner all day long. He is constantly looking out for us, and he's constantly looking out for our best interest. He wants to see us flourish. He wants to see us flourish in our relationship with him. He wants to see us flourish in our relationships, of course, with other people. And God has always done this for his people. No matter how much we have tried our best to mess it up since the beginning of time, God has always been looking out for our best interest. God has always been our biggest lover. He has always been our strongest advocate. No matter how many times we mess up, even when we mess up royally, even when we wind up, Kevin liked that. Kevin's like, I've messed up royally. Even when we, uh, you know, even when we hurt ourselves, even when we hurt other people, which are definitely not good things, God is still in the business of forgiveness. And that's something we learn. God doesn't forgive because he has to. God forgives and redeems because he wants to. That's what it means for him to be in our corner. He's in the business of restoring us. He is in the business of transforming us. He's in the business constantly re reconciling us to him. He relishes, he relishes in dishing out his mercy and his transformative grace in our lives. And he's always done this for his people. He's always wanted this for his people. You find that throughout the Bible. It's a constant theme in the Old, or the Old Testament and the New Testament. One of the coolest, one of the, one of the coolest, most awe-inspiring incidents or instances of, of how God does this or what it looks like when God does this, in, in my opinion anyway. And there's all, again, there's all kind of uh, examples of this. But one of the coolest instances of this nature of God who is constantly looking out for us, no matter how bad we mess it up, uh, is found in Jeremiah. So we're going to go back to the Old Testament this morning. It's Jeremiah chapter 31. verses 31 through 34. Jeremiah 31, verses 31 through 34. And this is what the prophet Jeremiah writes. He's, he says, The days are coming, declares the Lord, 
when I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel and with the people of Judah. It will not be like the covenant I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand to lead them to Egypt because they broke my covenant, though I was a husband to them, declares the Lord. Before I go any further, notice that God refers to himself as a husband. How does that make you think in regards to our relationship with God and, and how God thinks of us? It's a marriage. It's a beautiful, covenantal marriage. I just thought that was really neat. That stood out to me this time around. This is the covenant I will make with the people of Israel after that time, declares the Lord. I will put my law into their minds, and I will write it on their hearts. I will be their God, and they will be my people. No longer will they teach their neighbor or say to one another, Know the Lord, because they will all know me. From the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord. For I will forgive their wickedness, and I will remember their sins no more. Congratulations, church. Y'all, me, we, us are the recipients of this new covenant. This great, wonderful thing that God wants to give us so very badly. So very badly, no matter how many times we mess up. The Old Testament story of the relationship between God and the, uh, the, the, uh, the Israelites, the people of Israel, is a very complicated story. It's a very complicated relationship for whatever reason. We don't know why. He just did it because he's God. Unbeknownst to us, God chose the Israelites as his people. Why? We don't know. Because God does what God wants to do. They were God's chosen people that we find in the OT, in the Old Testament. He made himself known to them. He guided them, and he made, it all, he made all kind of promises with them. Uh, that promises that he would flourish them in all areas of their lives. And I'm going to come back to that word covenant. He made a covenant with the people of Israel. Actually, in the Old Testament, he made about five of them, or four of them. There's four, four covenants that you'll find in the Old Testament. There's five altogether. But let's talk about that word covenant just for a second. What, what does it mean to make a covenant? It's basically a relationship. A covenant is basically a relationship between two people, two, two, two parties who make promises to each other for the purpose of a common goal. Okay? I promise to do this, you promise to do that, and this is what the end result's going to be. You keep up your end of the deal, I'll keep up my end of the deal. Again, think about marriage. Marriage is a covenant. When a couple decides to get married, they enter into what? They enter into a formal relationship with one another, binding themselves together in lifelong faithfulness, lifelong devotion, and they work as partners to accomplish some common goals, whether it's raising kids, building a life together, whatever. That's a covenant relationship. These are the kind of relationships that God formed and still forms um, in the Old Testament and also in the New Testament. So he made these covenants with the, uh, with the people of Israel. And um, these, of course, culminate in what we're going to talk about today in the New Covenant, which God has made through, uh, through Jesus Christ. The problem with the covenants in the Old Testament and the problem with the covenants between God and the people of Israel in the Old Testament is that God was really, really great about keeping his end of the deal. Humanity and the people of Israel were not, not so much. Okay, God never failed them, and God never failed to keep his promises. So what happens is that, is that, is that for generations and generations, 
the, 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 Israel, the, the people of Israel, the Israel, Israelite people, failed to keep up their part of it. They failed to keep up all the promises they made. They failed to keep up the commandments that God had given them. Uh, you know, there were there were there was some idolatry involved. There were there was taking advantage of the poorest among them and the marginalized. Uh, they were they were doing all kind of stuff against this covenant that they had made with God. Consequently, what happens, and what goes on in the earlier portions of Jeremiah that we're not going to read, at this point where Jeremiah writes these words, the Israelites have have messed up so much that God has finally said, you know, I'm just going to turn my turn you guys over to some to somebody else, and that's what he does. God turns God turns Israel over. Um, to outside forces, basically, to reap the consequences of their disobedience. And you, you'll find out that part of, at this time, at the time of these scriptures, part of Israel um, had already been destroyed by some conquering our armies. wouldn't be too long from then that, that uh, Jerusalem was going to be destroyed. It's about to suffer the same fate. Uh, a lot of prophets tried, including Jeremiah. A lot of prophets tried to warn God's people. But those warnings fell on deaf ears, and uh, they really had nobody to blame for themselves. So they were suffering. They were suffering because they failed to keep their end of the bargain. They were suffering because they failed to keep their, their portion of the covenant. And they had done this for a long time, by the way. It wasn't, it wasn't just an instantaneous, oops, I messed up type of deal. This was ongoing for generations. So God lets them go, you know, and, and, they, and, they, and they are, uh, they're, they're toppled, basically, by conquering armies. Here's the thing, though. Despite all that carnage, despite everything that they reaped because of what, because of their disobedience, because of their lack of faithfulness, despite their incessant disobedience to God, God still loved them. God still loved them, and God still wanted to see them flourish. He still wanted the best for them. He still wanted to shower them with grace and mercy and forgiveness. Fact in our scriptures today, God says through the prophet that He's going to give them and us, by the way, this applies to us as Christians, something that is much better than anything He has ever given them before. How neat is that? Here they are, disobeying God, generation after generation after generation, doing all these awful things. God's still looking out for them. They had to suffer the consequences. Don't get me wrong on that. They suffered for it. But then God comes back and he says, you know what? Despite all that, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to up it. I'm going to give you something better than, than what I promised you in the beginning. The days are coming, Jeremiah writes, when I will make a new covenant. I will put the law into their minds and I will write it on their hearts. I will be their God. They will be my people. No longer will they teach their neighbor or say to one another, Know the Lord, because they all will know me already, from the least of them to the greatest, from the pauper to the princes. I will forgive their wickedness, and I will remember their sins no more. Church, that day has come. That day came about 20 centuries ago with the birth, the life, the death, and the resurrection of Christ. That covenant was, was made. Jeremiah predicts centuries prior to it happening. This new covenant that God is going to bring to us and that he's going to bring to the people of Israel through Christ's death and burial and resurrection. That covenant is here and it is now and it is ongoing and it is future and it is everlasting. 
if you're a Christian, if you've accepted on faith, if you've accepted on faith and allegiance to Jesus Christ, that free gift of salvation, you have entered into that covenant. God's law is written on your hearts. Y'all believe that? I believe that. God's law is literally written. It's not written on tablets of stone any longer. It's written right here on our hearts. God's will is written on our hearts. Call it your conscience, whatever you want to call it. It's there, and we can know that will. We do know that will, and we know the law of God, and we are able, through that relationship with Christ, to know God intimately. Now, that's a gift. That's what he's talking about, but I'm going to give you something better. That's a gift, folks, to know the creator of the universe in an intimate, parent-like, well, marriage-like way. Our minds and our hearts, every facet of our lives are able. I'm not saying it always happens because it doesn't because we get in the way. But every facet of our lives, every part of our minds and the way that we think and act, we are able, enabled, to be shaped by Jesus, the one who we have covenanted with. See, Jesus was a lot better than we are. Jesus was a, Jesus was a lot better than the, than the people of Israel. The thing about Jesus and his new covenant was that Jesus succeeded where humanity failed. Jesus succeeded where we continue to fail. Jesus lived a sinless life in complete and total obedience to his Abba, to his Father, God. Under this new covenant, under this everlasting covenant, because of what Christ has done, we're forgiven, we're freed from our sins, and we are given that empowering spirit to help us live full lives, lives that are self-giving, lives that are self-sacrificial, lives that enable us to live out what I refer to as the Jesus Creed. We actually, this is so cool to me, we actually get to partner with Jesus as he renews not just people, but all of creation. That is so neat to me. that We get to be a part of that. One of the sources that I, that I was... Uh, that I read while I was preparing for this, put it like this. It says, Jesus has provided a way for the Holy Spirit to replace our hearts of stone with hearts that have the will of God literally written on them. He has empowered us for holy living. I just think that's so neat that we have access to that. I think that's so neat that, 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 that God has provided that to us, not because we deserve it, not because, not because we, have, we have done anything for him, but simply because what? Simply because he wants to provide it, no matter how bad we mess up, over and over and over again. God is just sitting there waiting for us to come back so he can shower us with his mercy and his love. What do we need to take away from this, from these, from these scriptures? A couple of things I want to mention to you real quick. Like, first is what we talked about in the beginning. God loves us with a furious and a relentless love that does not give up. No matter how disobedient we are, no matter how many times we mess up, no matter, no matter how bad we are, God is always what, Kevin Hill? For us as well. 
always for us, and he is always good. He's still on our side, and he is constantly working overtime to either draw us into a relationship with him or draw us back into that relationship with him for our good. I really can't overemphasize how bad the Israelite people messed up, by the way. I wish I had time to really go into that so, so, we, so we really, really understood how, how awful these folks were. I mean, it would seem like to us, you know, here in 2022, we actually heard the, the literal voice of God. He said, you know what, I'm going to do this for you guys, you do this for me. seems like it's pretty simple. Okay, we're going to do that. Um, they didn't do it. And they didn't do it in a grand way. <laughs> Not a small way. And again, we're talking about generations and generations of disobeying God. But then, still loves them, man. Still loves them. Still wants the best for them. Still comes back to them. Still offers them everything he offered them before. He's just going to give it to them a lot easier. You ever thought about that? Maybe that's one of the reasons that Jesus had to die and, and be resurrected. Because God gave all these, made all these covenant relationships in the Old Testament. You do this, I'll do this, you do that. And finally he just got to the end of his rope. He's like, you know, they're incapable of doing this. And I'm not necessarily being funny about that. That is fun, kind of funny, but we're not capable of doing that. We're not capable of following God's law to a T. It is impossible. I think God realized that. I think that was part of the salvation, the easy method of salvation that Jesus provides to us. They can't do that for themselves. They can't do that for themselves. So God intervenes in the form of Christ. He says, I'm going to do it for them. That's cool to me. That is cool to me. God is always looking out for you. That's the first thing to remember from the scripture. Secondly, we have been provided an amazing gift, an amazing gift through this new covenant with God. Forgiveness is wonderful. I love the fact that God has forgiven and continues to forgive me. Uh, but beyond that, we have access to absolute knowledge of who God is, absolute knowledge of his law, absolute knowledge of his will. It is quite literally written on our hearts. What is God's will? Folks, we know what God's will is. God's will is so simple. Not always easy, but God's will always starts with what? What we recited this morning. Love God and love neighbor. If you want to know what the will of God is in your life, if, you want to, if you're trying to make some kind of life-changing decision or any kind of decision whatsoever, always start with one of those two things. Is the decision I'm about to make love, uh, reflect loving God? Does it reflect loving people? If it doesn't, you're probably making the wrong decision. You're probably going the wrong way. And it really, really is that simple. I'm not saying it's that easy to act on all the time, because it certainly isn't. But if you want a starting point in your life, want to determine what God's will is, right there. Jesus made that so doggone simplified for us. It's crazy. We know what the will of God is. Are we going to follow it? That's the question. And that's the, that's, the, that's the choice that he gives us in all things. We always have that choice. Are we gonna are we gonna live out that will? Are we gonna follow that will? Are we gonna go our own way? So yeah, we have that, folks. We have the strength and we we have the strength. We have the power through the Holy Spirit who lives, who resides in us, to speak, to live as reflections of Christ. We can quite literally 
show the world the kingdom of God on earth as it is in heaven. Maybe that's why Jesus told us to pray that. Remember, though, it's still called a covenant relationship. It's called the new covenant. Therefore, it's a relationship. And like I mentioned ago with the free will thing and the, the ability to choose our own way or make our choices, whether they line up with God's will or not, uh, to remain in this relationship is a choice. And it's very simple to take our wills back. I think we're pulled in that direction very often. Taking back our will over God's will. The easiest way, the most simplified way to prevent that. The best way to ensure ongoing growth, ongoing transformation is to maintain close relationship with Christ. Now I know that sounds very easy. I know that sounds very simplified. It really is kind of that simple. We just don't want to do it. Or we fail to do it very often. Back uh, at the beginning of the month we talked in our we, we had our prayer meeting um, and we, we focused on a passage out of John 15 and it's, it's, it's the passage where Christ talks about abiding. And I love, I've come to where I really love and I really appreciate that word Abide. It just means kind of to remain. Remain in relationship with me. To me, that indicates a sense of constant. Being constant. Being consistent in relationship with Christ. If you abide in me, Christ says in John 15, if you remain in me, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Again, I think that's pretty simple. How do we keep up our end, our bar, our end of the bargain in this new covenantal relationship? We abide in Jesus. We just maintain that relationship with Him. We talk to Him. We listen to Him. We learn about Him with consistency and through being constant in that relationship. So that's what I'd encourage you to do. Actually, I'd encourage you to go to read the entire chapter of John 15. That's a really cool, uh, really cool chapter in regards to you know what it looks like to to, real, to really re be in relationship with Christ and, and how all that works out. And that's where he talks about being the vine and the branches and, and the gardener, and uh, where he's constantly pruning us to uh, to do better works, uh, to be to to bear to bear better and more spiritual fruit. But I encourage you to do that, and just and just remember, you know, maintain that covenant, covenantal relationship that we have, the freedom that we have through Christ, uh, the forgiveness, and the ability that we that we do have that we're empowered to do, to go out and live the gospel in our world. Pray with me, gracious heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for your message, God. We thank you for the for the prophets that lived so very long ago, and 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 foretold the coming of Christ, and and foretold of this great covenant that you would make with His people. And we thank you for that, Lord. We, we thank you so much for the gift of Jesus. And we, um, we just praise you this morning, God. God, we ask this morning if there's anybody in this sanctuary that doesn't know you, that doesn't have a relationship with you, God, that, uh, that you would just draw them to you. And, uh, and uh, make, them, make yourself known to them. Make yourself very, very real to them, God. 
we, we, we pray and we hope, God, that every, anybody who doesn't know you would come to know you uh, just so they could have that life-giving assurance and that, that life-giving spirit of peace that so many of us have, have experienced already and continue to experience. God, if there's anybody in, in our sanctuary this morning whose relationship is, is, uh, with you has fallen off, Lord, we ask you again to draw them back to you, um, to maintain that relationship, to build that relationship, Father, uh, so that we can maintain that covenant with you, so that you can utilize us for your purposes and for your glory. We ask this in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.